Think. Act. And prosper. You are now tuned into the Money Level Show. Hey, I want to welcome everyone back to the Money Level Show. Uh, where we think, act, and prosper, not only in wealth, but in all areas of life. And so with that being said, I am going to talk a little bit about why I refuse to go back to college. So this, this, is, a, this is a pretty intense topic for me. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be intense for a lot of people. But I want to explain the reasons why I refuse to go back to college. I also want to kind of backtrack a little bit. So I got some feedback from my first podcast about giving some more actionable steps um, to how you can decrease your debt and not spend money that you don't have. I was able to come up with a few other steps. Uh, one of the big steps is budgeting. And so if you do not operate based on a budget, you will spend money that you don't have. And so uh, usually when you budget, you take all of your income, you break the income into different sections. So whether that's your rent, your gas for the month, um, your electric bill, your phone bill, all of those different things, your debt servicing. So how, how much you got to pay on your debt. So that's what you do when you budget. And so in regards to spending money you don't have, you have to budget out the things that you want that are not necessities. And so what you do is say like you take your income for the month an app I use, by the way, is called every dollar. Some people use you need a budget. So there's multiple apps out there that you can use for this. Um, but what you do is you break down how much you make for the month and you allocate a certain amount of that money towards eating out or clothes, buying clothes. You know, so things that you don't need that are not a necessity. So you allocate that in the budget. And what you do is you limit yourself to how much you can spend and uh, have more control of your money. So you're telling your money what to do and your money's not telling you what to do. Uh, you're giving every dollar a job. And I hesitate saying that because giving every dollar a job is making your money work for you. But in this scenario, you are assigning responsibilities to each dollar you have. And so budgeting is pretty big and stop spending money that you don't have. And so there's multiple apps out there that you can use in regards to budget. Some of the other things that I stated was uh, to match your debt. So if you plan on going out to get coffee, you know, what you could do is, you know, either not get the coffee and pay that towards some of your debt or you can. Um, get the coffee and match that towards your debt. However, if you have a budget, you would be diminishing, you know, the money that you set aside for eating out when you do the match method. And so um, at the end of the day, it's probably something that you don't need and you want to get out of debt. So paying extra towards your debts are, is very important. Other ways to get out of debt is the, is the side hustle. And so for me, I've done a lot of side hustles. Uh, I've done video photography. That was a side business that me and my wife uh, decided to do. Um, I've done uh, Instacart. I've done DoorDash, you know, just making money on the side, you know, uh, so things like that. 
of course, like I do music. And so, uh, you know, I do get streams and funds from streaming and I do have a Patreon community for my music and stuff like that. So making extra money that way is another way that you can service your debt and also be able to get out of debt and pay your debts down faster. And so I just wanted to start with that because I kind of left without giving you guys some actionable steps. And that's why I like to get feedback and you feel free to email me any questions or feedback that you have at the money level show at gmail.com. That's the money level show at gmail.com. So back to my story about why I refuse to go to college, to go back to college. So let me give some historical context to this. So uh, I'm saying historical like I'm that old, but I'm really not that old. I'm 32 years old. Um, So for me, you know, growing up, you know, I grew up in the hood. Uh, Not a lot of people went to college. Not a lot of people uh, decided to push themselves to go further and go above and beyond uh, what we saw on a daily basis, which was gangs, drugs, um, a lot of, uh, poverty, all of those different things. And so, uh, a lot of my friends back home in Oklahoma city, I've seen them and they're kind of in the same position. Uh, some friends are actually trying to make some moves for themselves. And so I'm very proud of them. Um, but so that was kind of the mentality that I grew up around. However, even though I grew up in poverty, like I still had big dreams. I still had big dreams. And a lot of those dreams, I didn't really fully know what it was and and how I could accomplish it. Um, I remember moving to Washington State in the year 2000. Uh, we moved up here and we had um, no money. We, we actually got on the Greyhound for three days straight uh, from Oklahoma City to Washington State. Um, it was me, my mother and two of my sisters. I actually have four sisters and my mom didn't have a job or anything. She just wanted to get out of Oklahoma City. She wanted to get out the hood. She wanted to get out of that environment. And so when we moved up here, we were staying with my mom's friend's son. And it was him. It was his uh, daughter's mom and his daughter. And they were living in a two-bedroom apartment that they were managing the apartment complex. And so we actually moved and stayed in one of their bedrooms. So it was me, my mother, and my two sisters all in this one bedroom until my mother could uh, find employment and be able to get us an apartment. And so we ended up moving to a two-bedroom apartment. So my years throughout high school, um, you know, I was an urban kid, you know, moved to the city and kind of just like didn't know anything you know uh my mom's like she at that point she never been to college my pops never been to college and so they didn't really you know know where to point me my mom just knew that she wanted me to go to college but for me to figure out what I wanted to do that was on me so in high school that's a critical moment uh especially for kids of color uh kids from the urban community kids from poverty because we need a lot of people to come around them or mentors to come around them and to kind of direct them through this process. And so I didn't have any of that. I ended up um, moving back to Oklahoma city. And when I turned 18, I jumped straight into the labor force, working warehouse jobs and jobs that I hated every day, jobs that I've walked out in the middle of the job on because I did not care. And I did not 
like the boss or whatnot. And I just kind of had other plans. At least I thought I did. So I, I decided to go to college in 2009. At this point, I was 21 years old. Uh, trying to figure out life and I decided to go for business administration. I was really into music. So I felt that learning a business aspect of things would be helpful. Although business administration has some concepts that apply to music, but not all apply to music. And so uh, that's what I went for. I ended up finishing uh, a few quarters, finishing quite a few credits And at that time, I was not really focused on school. I was not really passionate about school as much. You know, I had a hard time dealing with the math and all of those different things. You know, just kind of the typical things that people go through. And I used the money. So I used to take the student loan money. They would give you the money. And I was like, oh, yes, I'm getting money back. And I I never knew I had to pay that back. I remember seeing the term loan. But I never really thought about how I would pay it back. You know, I just took the money and was like, okay, yeah, I can I can go, you know, spend this on clothes, shoes. You know, I bought a lot of marijuana, you know, things like that. And that's what I spent the money on. And and every every quarter would come up and I would get this check. And I was like, yeah, you know, let's let's go spend the money. And at some point, you know, I stopped really focusing on school. You know, at that point, I was really into street life and. And I just stopped caring about school. And so the first time I failed all my classes and the the, the school sent me a uh, email stating that they dismissed me from the school. OK, I appealed that decision and I got back into school, tried it again, using the money, uh, got dismissed again because I just stopped focusing on it again and stopped caring. So after. Um, I came to know who Jesus was. That was when I really wanted to go back to school. And I was like, okay, now I'm back focused. I think, I think I got what I need to really focus on what I want to do for the future. Tried to appeal the decision. I wouldn't get accepted. And so, and think about this. I was five months from graduating when this happened. And so I had a lot of credits and they dismissed me and I, I couldn't get back into the school. So that was what happened. A year later in 2013, I decided to go back for my associates in business administration at another school, which was, quote unquote, a sister school. And at this point, uh, I was like, okay, well, I only have five months to graduate. So let's go ahead and, and get this started. Only 16 of those credits transferred over to my new school, although we had the same degree, uh, the same focus. Only 16 of those credits that I earned from the previous school transferred over to the new school. So I was pretty much back at zero, except the fact that I didn't have to do math again, which I hate math. I mean, I like math in regards to real estate and finance, but some concepts is just like, dude, this ain't this don't apply to me. This is for some scientist or or some astronaut or something that, that don't apply to me. OK, um, so I got into the school. Uh, I was taking the money. I was like, okay, I'm getting the money, you know, getting the extra check back, you know, the loan. Um, And I finished school and I realized I was like, okay, well, what do I do now? I finished for business administration and I'm currently in the social work realm. 
the social work field. And so I kind of just sat on a degree, you know, it was an accomplishment. It was a good piece of paper. I felt good about myself, you know, a kid coming from the hood, coming from the streets, uh, getting an associate's degree. Uh, it was amazing, but I wasn't putting it to action. So then I went back to school. Okay. To focus around, uh, social work. So I actually got into the criminal justice field and human services. And so that was my bachelor's degree. At this point, you know, the school asked me if I wanted to take out the extra loan money. I said no. And I think I said that because I think something was clicking in my mind that I was going to have to pay that back. And I believe maybe I seen some of the numbers that I owed or something like that. So I said, no, I don't want the extra money. So I'm going through school. You know, I'm getting these government loans and eventually um, the loans ran out. So I hit the cap limit for how much you can borrow from the government for education. And I believe that cap limit was about $65,000, something like that. So I hit that limit and I was about, I would say, seven months from graduating and trying to figure out like, oh, I'm panicking now. I'm like, OK, I, I owe the government $67,000 and I was planning on using this degree to propel my career so that I could get paid more money so then I could pay off those loans. But now I'm stuck. And so I ended up applying for a grant. I got a grant and they funded the rest of my way through school, which was amazing. It was a blessing. When I got out of school, um, I ended up, you know, continuing working where I was working, which was the coffee oasis. Um, and then I ended up getting into the criminal justice field, working as a juvenile probation counselor. And so and I'll tell you right now, like social work field isn't the most paying jobs. It isn't at all. I feel like it's very underpaid. Um and when you think about it, when you have so much debt that you have to pay back, you're kind of like, oh, wow, how do I pay this back? And so that is one reason why I refuse to go back to school. You know, I've talked to my boss many a times where um, where I'm kind of seeking like, OK, I'm thinking I want to be a lawyer. Or I'm thinking I want to be a mayor. You know, so y'all, I dream big and. I'm thinking about the school. I'm thinking about the education costs. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to be a mayor. I'm not going to be a um, a lawyer. I'm not going to school for another however many years to accumulate a lot more debt. And so that's one of the reasons why I would not go back to school. Another reason is some of the things that I have learned along those lines. And so I'm going to share some of those things with you. Another thing that I've learned about going to school is that in 1902, the General Board of Education was developed. And a lot of people don't know what this is. So this was a board of education that was developed by many of the top bankers like uh, the Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan. Uh, they came together and they donated um, they donated money for educating people on how to work and how to gain certain skills within the farming industries and all of those different types of things. So obviously, you know, uh, black people were included in there, but they were not given the same level of education as the whites, uh, but they were given something. So, you know, they, they had this education board that was pretty much teaching people technical skills, how to work, how to become farmers, um, 
and, you know, kind of trades and things like that. One thing that I've noticed, you know, in reading that story or reading that uh, piece of history is that they did not teach those people how to become business owners, how to become entrepreneurs, how to become like them. They taught them how to become workers. And so that's what school teaches us nowadays is how to become a worker. You know, we're taught to go to college. We're taught to go to trade school. We're taught to do all these things to become a worker. What's the issue with being a worker? Some some professions, you can make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You can make a lot of money. But you can also pay a lot of taxes. Uh, so you have a quadrant. You have on one side of the quadrant, you have employed or employee self-employed. On the other side of the quadrant, you have corporation or investor. And so what are the difference between these four? You know, what are the difference between the two sides? So that's what you have to look at. Well, on the employee and uh, self-employed side, you are paying about 30 to 50% in taxes over your lifetime. So you have to pay a heck of a lot of taxes. Okay. Um, one thing on that side as well is that you are trading your time for money. So let me say that again. You're trading your time for money. That means that you have to go, you have to punch a clock, you have to earn your wages in order to make, you know, make a living and, and pay your bills. So you're trading your time for money. So on the self-employed side, you, uh, you do have some tax advantages and deductions that you can write off, but you are still trading your time for money. And so in order to be wealthy, you can't trade your time for money. So what the wealthy do is their money works for them and it ultimately opens up time. So if you think about it, if you did not have to worry about money, how much time would you have? to do what you want to do and to live out your purpose. How much time would you have to spend with your family, to raise your kids, to travel, all of those different things. And so when you're trading time for money, you, you end up in this, the rat race. And so what that means is you're going to have a hard time to get to a point to where you can fully have a lot of time on your hands. And so some people that are, self-employed, what they would do is build a company up to the point where they can have a corporation because a corporation, you need about 500 or more employees in order to save a lot of money on taxes. So you need 500 or more employees in order to save a lot of money on taxes. And so people that own corporations with that big of a uh, amount of employees, they get a lot of tax breaks they also get a lot of time because they develop an infrastructure to where they're not having to be as involved in the day-to-day -day business. They may be involved in in the uh, decision making, the board, um, you know, all of those different types of things, but they're not involved in the day-to-day -day operations of that business. They're just maybe overseeing it and have someone under them managing it and someone under them managing it and someone under them managing it. And then you got employees at the bottom. And so that is how people in corporations don't trade a lot of time for their money. So another category 
that is probably a little bit easier to to accomplish, I would say, which is the category that I'm headed for, which is being an investor. So anything with investing is having your money work for you. So when I said earlier, I said um, tr- uh, giving every dollar a job. Um, however, that is this is what I mean by that. Being an investor, you're giving your dollar a job to do that's going to produce you income. So how can I break that down? When your money is either in the stock market, you look at people like Warren Buffett, who may buy, you know, $500 million worth of a stock and get about 2% dividend or whatnot. I mean, you're getting a lot of money back. And so obviously not a lot of people have money like that to invest in the market, but let's go ahead and break that math down. So let's say you were a big investor. You had $500 million to invest. And let's say you bought um, a stock that was uh, 20 bucks a piece. So 500 million divided by 20, you have 25 million shares of this company. And let's say the company pays a 2% dividend. So so you have 25 million shares at $20 a pop and 2% of $20 is 40 cents. Okay, so you're getting 40 cents per share. My bad, y'all. I'm doing, I'm using a calculator right now, all right? I told y'all I didn't like math, but I, I like doing this kind of math, though. Uh, so you're getting 40 cents a share. So 40 cents a share every year. So dividends are broken up. So you may have 2% um, on a stock, but that's breaking up for the year. That's broken up uh, by the year, and you get paid out each quarter. So you'll get paid... 10 cents each quarter. So if you do 40 cents times 25 million, that's $10 million a year. Okay. $10 million a year. And that's just for having your money in the market, you know, having your money in the market, invested in a good company that is paying a good dividend. And not to mention a lot of times the stock prices go up. So when they go up, the the amount you get from that 2% goes up. And sometimes companies pay a, a bigger dividend if they are having a um a good year or you know they've been doing good, their finances look good, their balance sheets look good and all of those different things. And so that is one method of making your money work for you is investing in the stock market. Of course, right now, I don't think the stock market's in a healthy place. So I'm kind of very skeptical on investing my money there. Uh, A lot of these companies are overvalued. And a lot of these companies are not producing a lot of income due to COVID and things of that nature and have been impacted in a great way. So I'm kind of very skeptical or very careful about playing with the market right now. Now, when it bottomed in March, I was really involved because stocks were super cheap. Some of the stocks that I was investing in went from, you know, 90 bucks to 10 bucks. And so that was a bargain. So I was able to make money out of that. And now, you know, I'm kind of being very careful as I'm going forward uh, because I'm not very confident that our economy is in a good place. And things like that. So that's just where I'm at with that. But in order to 
explain just the topic of or the concept of investing and making your money work for you. That is one way that you can do that. Another way that you can do that is through real estate, uh, which I am getting my real estate license right now. But um, you have so many tax advantages when you get into real estate. And what I mean by that is a lot of times you are able to depreciate your property because your property is depreciating as it is aging. So you get depreciation every year. So say, for example, you buy a property, you put a renter in there and that renter uh, is paying about a thousand a month. So at the end of the year, you're getting twelve thousand dollars. But under the depreciation law, let's say you can depreciate that property at twenty thousand dollars a year. So when you depreciate that property at twenty thousand dollars a year, you're actually losing money because your property depreciated twenty thousand, but you only brought in twelve thousand. You see where I'm going? So when you depreciate it, yeah, it depreciates, but you still have the property. You know, you still have the property and the property is still producing income and you're not having to be there every moment. And so that your money is working for you in that situation, especially if you hire a property manager and things like that. You know, you are able to free up your time and then just have your money coming in and you just earn an extra check. So we look at like Donald Trump, for example, he had seven hundred fifty dollars in taxes. Uh, some people don't believe that. Um some people do believe it. Um, however, I know Donald Trump has owned a lot of properties and a lot of people don't understand this concept in real estate of how much you can depreciate uh, of your properties and how much you can show that you made a loss at that year, which affects your taxes dramatically. So you're saving a lot of money on taxes as opposed to being a self-employed or uh, an employee. You're paying a lot of taxes. And so this this is how the tax law works. Uh, I've done my research on this and and that is kind of like why I'm headed the direction that I'm going is because I don't want to pay a lot of taxes. I do not want to be a slave to punching the clock the rest of my life. I want to enjoy my kids. I want to live out my dreams, all of those different things. I want to travel eventually, all of those different things. And I don't want money to be a barrier. And I'm not saying that wealth means everything. You know, of course, the work that I'm doing in the social justice field or or in the criminal justice field is very valuable. You know, I'm impacting a lot of people's lives. I've been doing this work for the last nine, 10 years, but this is not something that I see myself doing forever, though. And so that is how you end up getting wealthy is by having your money work for you so that you free up time. And then the income that you produce by having your money work for you, what people do is they will go out and buy more stocks or go out and buy more properties so that that continues to compound and you continue to build this system of your money working for you and you are earning a lot of money. And so that is why I will not go back to school now that I have learned these things, now that I've gained this knowledge um, I'm not interested in, in, in getting more education on these types of things and accumulating a lot more debt. Now, if someone were to come to me and say, Hey, Daryl, I'll pay for your college. I'll be like, okay, I think I'll go probably get my accountant degree or finance degree or something like that. You know, um, if it's free, you know, I mean, it's not free to them, but it's free to me. 
So I would definitely be able to do that. I would definitely go ahead for that. But as far as accumulating more debt to do it, I personally don't see it as being worth it. Now, I do have some friends that have made quite a bit of money by going to um, school for longer periods of time. And of course, they're older than me. You know, they're probably about 18 years older than me. They're probably early 50s, late 40s. Um, and so they had to work their way to get to that point. And my only rebuttal to that is that you're still trading your time for money. Even if you're making 120 K a year, you have to look at the taxes you're paying on that as well. So the taxes you're paying on that, you know, that's a lot of money that you have to pay back to the government. Um, and a lot of these people that are in the corporate realm that are in the investing realm, they are able to save a lot of money. And so some people may say, well, Daryl, um, when you invest in stocks, you have to pay a lot of taxes when you sell those stocks. Well, you have to pay less taxes if you hold them long term. And so long term is a year or longer. And so if you are doing short sales and in, in stocks and shorten the market, then you are going to have to pay taxes. But there's also some ways that you can get around that as well. And even with real estate, you know, and professional real estate investing, being able to depreciate your properties you can't do that as a as a personal homeowner. And so I have a home, you know, I own a home and I cannot depreciate my property every year. But if you are doing it for investment purposes, you can. And so that is why I probably won't go back to school. If anything, I'll do some courses on like finance and kind of get little certificates here and there, licenses and stuff. But I would not be going back to college. Uh, is college a waste of money? Depends on who you ask. If you ask me, I would say yes, because a lot of people have gotten wealthy based on being able to apply these principles that I talked about here today. And so some people may be that type of person. Some people may want to just, you know, work and do social work or do work in the community and be and they're content with it. They're fine with making, you know, 20 bucks an hour or whatever, and they may be fine with it. To each his own. However, for me, you know, I'm trying to level up. That's why this is called the Money Level Show. I'm trying to level up to the next level. I hope that you are too. And I want to thank you all for tuning in today. And please subscribe. Follow me on my podcast. You can also donate on there if you're interested. Uh, I plan on doing this pretty consistently. So I hope you guys continue to support. Let me know if you have any feedback. It was some good feedback I received from my friends, Gary and Jeff. So if you have any questions or feedback, be sure to send that my way to the money level show at gmail.com. All right. Thank you all. And you all have a blessed day.